Welcome, everyone, to the Punisher podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Go get him, Devil Dog. Go get him. Woo, woo. The Punisher podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 210, The Dark Hearts of Men, is brought to you by Do-It-Yourself Jaw Resetting. Hey, it beats pulling a pair of teeth out of your forehead. Yeah, ouch. Pete, happy Friday. Star Trek Discovery was yesterday. We got a new disco podcast tomorrow. Also, Pete, by the time this episode ends, this podcast, that is to say, we only have three Punishers left as we enter the last week of podcasting this season. Exciting times all around. Truly hard to believe it's gone so quick, Matt. Jessica Jones, I'm sure, just around the corner. But why don't you take us? to the recap in flashback frank and billy are standing in the rain pals in the past it's some sort of klingon lineup of painful beatings oh wait wrong show still billy's getting whooped good before getting punched out of the line it's frank's turn and he gets it even worse still they're brothers at the end even as billy sucker punches him in the present day it's raining too curtis and frank are spying on billy's warehouse curtis manning a sniper rifle they're being watched by Billy with a sniper scope. Frank thanks Kurt for being there, about the common bond of the service, about how they didn't see Billy becoming the man he is. Kurt notes Billy has always been empty inside. The credits show the episode is written by showrunner Steve Lightfoot and staffer Angela Lamana. It's directed by Alex Garcia Lopez, veteran this year of two Daredevils, two Cloak and Daggers, and a Luke Cage. 24 hours earlier, Dumont is inviting Madani to stay, moving to the friendly living room. Madani asks if this is confidential and gets red wine in response. She has what Dumont calls a death equivalent. The solution is to talk it out. She talks about the shooting at the carousel, about Frank being there. Dumont keeps the wine flowing. Madani talks logic. Dumont talks instinct and wonders if Frank really is different than Billy. The two women continue to sit, on the sidelines and debate the morality of the male protagonist and male antagonist. Still, the wine flows as Dumont talks about always helping, even hurt birds when she was a girl. With care and love, anything can thrive. Madani sees some people as not able to be saved. So what's Dumont's hell? In the restaurant, Pilgrim is bloody, very bloody and drinking whiskey. His hands shake as he takes a bump of cocaine. This story flashes back, too, as his merciless beating is coming. He gives as good as he gets, if not worse, and the violence is as brutal as anything we've seen on Marvel Netflix. Cusack is reduced to a pulp, everyone dead or dying, except for Danny, who watches cleanly. Pilgrim shoots him twice in the back. The fight ends with Pilgrim taking his first drink in a long while. He takes the bottle to go. Later, he's cleaned up some in a hotel room, still snorting. He hears a party of questionable repute next door and joins it at the point of his gun. He rambles about the Brotherhood being a hall of mirrors, reflecting your own evil. There's a lady in the scene, too, in a disreputable way. Pilgrim hallucinates talking to his wife, of proposing to her, of telling her about the old hymn. Then it's morning, and Curtis and Frank are back on the rooftop. Curtis is shoveling lies to a lady friend. Curtis and Frank reveal the logistics of attacking the warehouse. Then, Curtis talks about the Hashashin, the original assassins. The moral of the story, there are always guys 
looking for leadership and anger. Then it's night and the party arrives to the warehouse. Girls and drinks for the crew. They don't know Billy is watching them, but they're looking for him to show up at the party as well. He gets there and Frank is tipped off. Inside, Billy tells his men that they're kings of the city. He talks about how they have grown as a group, about how the Punisher was like them, but the Brotherhood was betrayed. It's a personal beef, but that means the Punisher is after all of them, and the Punisher must be delivered. Outside, Frank takes out a guard, while Curtis watches what seems to be both SUVs of ladies leaving. Frank enters through the basement door. Curtis blows up some gas canisters as a diversion, while Frank enters the center of the basement. The masked crew stuns him and slices him. He's beaten with bats and crowbars and boots, all while Billy watches. Billy orders him broken and finished. Those who stay try, but the Punisher takes them out. Curtis, meanwhile, is cornered in his rooftop perch. He scares off his attackers with Philip left behind. He's bleeding bad and Philip doesn't make it. In the warehouse, Frank fires on Billy as the latter goes into the office. That leaves some of the girls dead. Back to Dumont, her chat done, Madani leaves. Dumont tells Billy she knows how to break Castle, to attack his sense of good. Back in the present time, police storm the office. Frank Castle is cornered to end the episode. Pete, let's talk villains. Something tells me I spy with my little eye. Billy is at the top of the list yet again. He did it, Pete. He did it. He did it, yes. And that we begin this episode with a flashback of their their bond, their bond through battle and light hazing, and that he has set Frank up in such a way with the bodies of these ladies found here and Frank caught at the end of the episode. First of all, Pete, I'm so glad that this episode gives us a flashback of the good times before taking us back to the present day story. Haven't seen that this season. Uh, but there is this arc here to Billy, of course, where we see him participating in the beginning in this act of brotherhood, this sort of Klingon lineup of painful beatings, if you will. Um, I didn't see any pain sticks, though. That is true. I think that's that's that evolves later. Um but I think the big takeaway from that scene is after Frank has made it through in this ritual brotherhood butt-kicking thing, Billy nonetheless sucker punches him, uh, a reminder of the man that Billy, as they discussed in this episode, Billy has always been this way. He's always been empty inside. He's always been about himself, even in these moments of bonding. Always has to have the upper hand. The ego supersedes, and it's something that draws a line in the sand between Frank and Billy. Uh, Frank is not governed by ego. He's governed by super ego, uh, looking out for others rather than just himself. Well, Pete, you give more quality, unbiased uh, psychological insight into this episode than Dr. Dumont gives within it. Uh, she, of course, the wolf in sheep's clothing, pouring that wine, pouring that wine, pouring that wine, uh, having the gal pal gab fest actually just to get information uh, on Frank in what I guess is meant to be a nonlinear presentation. She gets yes. this info, then gives it to Billy. Um, I always wonder, Pete, when you have episodes that do things with 
messing around with the timeline or intercutting things. We also have flashes in this episode of the attack well before it happens. Was it written that way or is this a product of an episode that when they got the first edit, it looked a little flat? I don't know about that part, Pete, but what would you like to say about Dumont? I mean, absolutely plying Madani with alcohol there, getting the dirt, the info, the intel, Matt, she needs to give her out-of-control psychopathic boyfriend. Yeah, and done in the in the calm of her own home with a drink in hand, uh, hanging out on an armchair or two. That description is similar to part of what happens to Pilgrim in this episode. He's got a drink, he's sitting down, but wowie, Pete, are there some things with Pilgrim that we uh, are shocked to see, I think it's safe to say, you and I both. Yeah, we had been a little down on the last couple episodes. They were okay, but not the high bar that Punisher has consistently been known for. And wow, did they make up for it in short order in this episode. That fight that Josh Stewart's Pilgrim goes through between, you know, the the way to show it was showing the aftermath and then flashing back to it, that he's pulling teeth out of his head, that he's got the stab wound in his side, all of the damage, the, the jaw that's been uh, knocked out of its joint, just absolutely brutal. I mean, let's be honest. We knew he was going to come out of that uh, restaurant bar um, as the victor for want of a better word, but we had no idea he would fall off the wagon and in such a spectacular way. I do have to wonder in that fight scene with Pilgrim, it, to me, it was not, you know, me as a grown up watching in the privacy of my own home with not <laughs> with, with my child nowhere near the TV because it's Punisher and TVMA. Um, it wasn't too much for me. It wasn't too much for you. I do have to wonder you know, and only Netflix knows whatever the normal um, carryover is from episode to episode, let's say of a season two Marvel show, if we want to get real specific in our data, did that fight scene turn off a lot of people who are maybe there for some cool shootouts that occasionally result in computer generated splatter on the wall, you know, for when it's a good guy, you know, Frank Castle flawed, but a good guy killing objectively bad, bad guys. This was way more fight than i expected um and again i kind of wonder were, were people turned off by that literally turned off like oh i'm done with this show i have to wonder the um the contrary matt the sensationalism of what happens there i mean you look back chapter and verse marvel netflix the the hallway fights as we've had i mean this fight that pilgrim goes through is an all-timer in 300 plus episodes of marvel cinematic universe tv i will certainly never look at teeth quite the same way again pete should we include frank castle our hero in this list of villains i mean obviously we are meant to think that uh he's mistakenly shot these women who were up in that crow's nest there it's a setup. We know this as well. Um, but that he gets caught, that he thinks he's done this 
and all part of the plan by Dumont and Billy to frame Frank. Well, Pete, let's now shift gears to talk theories for uh, for these remaining three episodes. First one from me, Pete. I know that Pilgrim gets stabbed on the left side, but I couldn't help but think about another guy who once upon a time got stabbed on the right side. Pete, I'm talking about the Lance of Longinus, the Holy Lance, uh, which was uh, said to be used upon Christ himself. Any kind of dark mirroring there, Christ gets it on the right-hand side, uh, Pilgrim the left, any thoughts there? Without any specific reference to that, I think we're reaching um, from a textual standpoint as an illusion. Uh, it definitely lines up. Uh, it's not as if they plunged a knife into his side that he was playing possum during the fight to see if he was alive. Um, the question I have, the, the theory really, how the hell is he still alive after that beating? Well, Pete, I think for mere mortals like you and me, I, I think it's a completely valid question. I think if we break down the fight as brutal as it is, you know, there's the fairly serious, real world quite serious, but there's the somewhat serious stab that he gets. Other than that, it's a lot of getting your head knocked around, which, you know, Pete, concussion protocol, et cetera, it's a real thing. Peel it back to the world of TV and film violence. Eh, it's not that bad. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a bunch of scrapes and cuts and bruises and <laughs> probably brain matter damage. But I don't know that it's as bad. It's I don't know that it is as objectively bad as it looks in terms of, you know, if you, if you suddenly transported Pilgrim to an episode of ER, eh, other people might be rushed into OR1 ahead of him. Thank goodness there are a couple nurses in that room next door. <laughs> Um, Pete, let's shift gears now to the way the episode ends. Uh, Frank Castle cornered. I think it's no surprise to anybody, even Pete, those that are hashtag spoiler pure like me. We know Karen Page is going to be showing up at some point. Uh, Deborah Ann Wall has been pretty vocal on Twitter, uh, anticipating that the last time she will, will have played, uh, Karen Page will be this season, the second season of the Punisher. Um, Frank Castle in trouble. Police have him. Got to get Karen Page next episode, right? If if only, Matt, there was a screen capture for the next episode on Netflix. Oh, no, really? Netflix is doing <laughs> that too? Come on. They, they, they put it in there. Yeah, it's it's on there. Um, so more interested in, you know, what's Frank's fate now that he's been caught by the cops here. He's He's been on the run. You have to wonder, Matt, about the efficacy of the Marvel Cinematic Universe NYPD. Billy has has been on the run seemingly. I'd love to know what kind of time frame we've been talking about now. Uh, yeah, Mahoney has visited uh, Dr. Dumont's apartment. Madani has now as well. But the amount of times they have missed this guy running around and, oh, now we got Frank because he's been set up. Um, I get it. It's uh, drama and has to be dramatic and defeat your expectations. But at the same time, like, all right, they've got Frank. They couldn't have caught Billy by this time, you know, with 
Valhalla and all the noise they've been making. Well, I'm reminded of my my Shakespeare class in college, and it might have been Romeo and Juliet, it might have been another play, but I remember the the professor saying, you know, that, how long, you know, what's the time frame that this play is taking place? And we were saying, oh man, two weeks, three weeks, you know, whatever whatever it was. And he said, you know, look, there's this quote here, there's this quote there. This entire thing takes place in a day and a half. It's 36 hours at most, and you know, kind of blew our mind. Similarly, I think though the montage of uh, the, the gang's attacks uh, intercut with bedtime for Billy and Madonna, uh, not Madonna, Billy and, uh, and uh, Dumont, I think that suggests days and days, maybe weeks of this going on. I think maybe a bit more practically, you know, if we see three or four robberies, maybe that's representative of five or six robberies. That could be done over two or three days. That could be four days of terror and then you go back to the next interesting headline which will be you know this that the other um so i think that it's i mean yes pete there's this well-worn trope of you know as, as we discussed in the last podcast of you know corrupt police etc there's a well-worn trope of the police only showing up when the story requires it you know if this was four days of you know, 24-hour all-night task force trying to put stuff together and all of a sudden the clue finally turns up and somebody says, hey, get to uh, get to this warehouse. That's where the, the bad punisher is or that's where there's going to be bodies or whatever. I think it's probably in line with some sort of acceptable internal timeline. Pilgrim's lapse here, Matt, into alcohol and drugs, uh, a pitiable thing even though he is a brutal, brutal alt-right murderer and a horrible person um, refusing the phone calls there. We can only imagine that's Mr. Schultz on the other end. What are the ramifications of Pilgrim falling off the wagon here? I mean, he's only a useful tool if he works as expected. And I think we've had some discussion in the past in terms of is Anderson, how much does Anderson believe the religious uh, things that, that, that is associated with people like, uh, like Pilgrim? Is he twisting that? I think it'll be interesting to see whatever direction the show takes in terms of are these string pullers on the right in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, wink, do they actually believe these things or are they manipulating people who believe those things and just saying, yeah, that's the go do bad things for me? Um, but in terms of Pilgrim himself, he's only useful if he can be the, the, the scalpel might be a scalpel that takes out, you know, 10 people, but it's the job that is asked of him. If he now has gone rogue, he's almost more of a liability to the Schultzes than, than useful. So I think again, with three episodes to go, we have a Pilgrim story to wrap up. We have the Schultz story that I feel like we've hardly gotten into, I guess we still have Frank and Billy's beef to resolve. We have now Frank, you know, the, the fuzz coming to him. So plenty of story left. Let's hope they do do justice to all of them. On that, the monologue that Pilgrim delivers uh, while somebody else is seemingly at the microphone really kind of speaks to what's going on with him, with uh, Anderson Schultz, with the, the idea of this alt-right world in general, this idea of brotherhood, he's really trying to convince himself that, hey, this is my true nature. I needed to let it out and now I can turn it off. 
oh wait, hey, is is that a little packet of of drugs there? Pete, I know when it comes to uh, R-rated scenes like that, I know we watch uh, through through hands over our eyes, lest we uh, lest we not be our best selves. First of all, just the notion, I, I like it as a dramatic conceit that it's this mournful monologue where he's very kind of intellectual and reflective and and um, using the, 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 the highest parts of the brain while there's this uh, physically intimate act going on that, that would otherwise pull one's attention away. Um, so I love the contrast there. I love kind of the surprise of it. Uh, but yes, this notion where he's realizing in what perhaps is meant to be the lasting moments of his um, dalliance, for l- lack of a better, more powerful word, but here he here he has strayed from the path of goodness in a variety of ways, and this seems to be a conclusion of that time. And as he comes down from all the the the, the various highs, chemical, natural, etc., he's realizing a sense of control, which I don't know. I think he believes in. I don't know that that's true. I don't know that you just say, all I needed to do was just kill a bunch of people, go on a bender, do naughty things for pay and uh, other naughty things paid for it. And uh, now I can get back to my normal self of living my buttoned up, uh, you know, holier than thou life. We juxtapose that with Curtis Hoyle, who does a fake cough as he calls a woman named Linda, who I'm not sure her place in the story is the first time we're hearing about her. It's not Delia uh, to, to say that he's sick and then is uh, guilt ridden and teased by Frank. I think at the end of the day, it's proof that the show wants to hold its characters to a a moral truth that you are measured by your actions and the outcome of your actions, not your intent. I think we, we rarely have seen a character as uh, intentfully focused on living the best life he can in terms of Pilgrim. What have we seen as a result of him? One of the worst villains possible. Meanwhile, Curtis, who, you know, I know he was a medic in the military, but Curtis, who presumably, maybe not presumably, but who one could uh, reasonably say has has perhaps taken a life in combat, this quite serious thing, um, who's been through all this all this stuff and through all this turmoil and whatnot, he nonetheless tries to live the best life day by day, not by this dogma or by that book or whatever it is, by simply trying to help people in small ways day by day by day and he's maybe the most the most admirable character of the entire bunch admirable to pete are those who help out our little team by visiting patreon.com slash fantastic geek making sure that we can sit up here on rooftops with binoculars and and podcast all the things we see yes your contributions will never be used in a hotel room for company for refreshments uh so thank you again one and all Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content. Pete, what feedback do we have about the old Punisher? On the Fantastic Geek Facebook page, Matt, Kevin Kadalar writes in and he quotes Daredevil season two when Frank said, you're one bad day 
away from being me read that of course for our one day one bad day episode uh a couple back so kevin certainly picking up on the illusion in the title pete this is a show about brotherhood the fraternity of those who have served this your brother somebody who has served in your home as your you know actual brother so hashtag it's all connected it is thanks for writing in kev it's nice when your brother listens to your podcast <laughs> uh pete if you're not kevin and don't have direct access to you know your home mailing address or your home phone number <laughs> how can people be in touch with you you know the internets you can find me on twitter at peter p-i-e-t-e-r-j-k-e-t-e-l-a-a-r -E 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 10337 followers can't be wrong and while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail under Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH all one word. Like it today. Like Kevin. Pete, we will be back on Sunday as we start our final week of podcasting Punisher episodes. Got your Sunday, your Wednesday, your Friday then uh you know maybe a couple days in between there and then wrap up the season as a whole so plenty of story to go can't wait to see what is left for our characters here but with that i will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word pain is only temporary right <laughs>